Blog Talk Radio. Talk to Will in Arizona. Thanks for holding her on the air. First off, I am a Prison TV Planet member. Awesome, brother. Go ahead and into your points, and I'll hold you over if need be. Um, if you really want to have an unbridged idea of what is going on today, look at uh, it's actually a YouTube video, but it's a it's a documentary. Uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, the greatest story never told. He actually kicked out a lot of the bankers because they were trying to implode Germany after World War One. And it was the bankers. And when I was watching that, it was five hours long. And I started listening and saying to myself, wait a minute, they are just repeating history. But because we are so dumbed down in the sense of our historical knowledge. Well, I haven't seen the documentary you're talking about, uh, but uh, people can, I guess, check it out for themselves. The very well-made, excellent and moving documentary called Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told. I want you to do something for me as well, and I would really appreciate it. Before you listen to this interview, I want you to watch the documentary. I know you want to listen to this program right away, but if you haven't already seen it, I want you to stop this program right now and go watch the documentary first. And I'm adamant about watching the documentary because one of the biggest hurdles that the majority of people seem to have, they're basically just kind of set in their ways and they argue that they already know everything that they need to know concerning this topic. Well, I can promise you, people, you don't know one-tenth of it. I seriously had a panic attack after I watched that documentary, The Greatest Story Never Told. And for days afterward, I was really shook, shook up. It, was, it had such a profound impact on me, and, and everything started making so much sense, and I felt so... I mean, I've always felt kind of betrayed by, by the powers that be, but I felt more betrayed than ever. Mm-hmm. And I started and I started looking back on my entire life and yep. looking back at all the movies that I'd seen. I just couldn't believe it. I thought if they could pull off this, then anything is possible. Anything. Yeah. You know, and uh, that one, you know, I would encourage anybody watching this or listening to this to, to watch that hasn't seen that documentary to watch it and you can go with, back with and, an open mind. Uh, open mind and listen to that interview that you did with um, Dennis Wise recently. But that's most likely what, what got us censored from iTunes, by the way, too, that show. Yeah, well... That uh, shows it, what we're not allowed to talk about. It's just yeah, it's yeah, off exactly. limits, you know? And that's what, when I was going through that sort of panic attack re- realization, that was it. I thought was the re- that was the big red flag. I was like, oh my God, like, of course... Of course, we're not being told the truth because we're not allowed to talk about this issue. When you're not allowed to talk about something, then that's that's like the red flag right there. If it's off yeah. limits, then that's the thing you need to talk about the most. And to, and the rule to remember is that history is written by the winner.
I can promise you, people, you don't know one-tenth of it. I think at one time or another we've all questioned as to whether all that we see and, and are experiencing in our world has some sort of a rational plan behind it. Because we understand now that both the Republican and the Democratic Party in our country are basically run by the same people, the same money finances both sides. We now know, of course, through the work of many historians who have spent their life working on research to show us that both sides of world conflicts have always been financed by the same people. And as I've said before, there seems to be a a method to the madness going on in the world. We know, of course, that we cannot depend on our leaders. Our leaders are misleaders. There is a science that they're following. They have their own agenda, and it doesn't include you. What your government pays for, it gets. If you are paid to do something for the government, they will extract from you exactly what they have paid for. When we understand that, then we look at universities and schools, government-financed institutions of education, and see the kind of students and the kind of education that's being turned out by these government-financed schools. Logic will tell you that if what is being turned out in those schools was not in accord with what the state and the federal government wanted, then it would change it. The bottom line is that the government is getting what they have ordered. They're getting what they have paid for. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. That is why our country and our world has become so proliferated with entertainments, mass media, game shows, television shows, amusement parks, drugs, alcohol, and every kind of entertainment to keep the human mind entertained so that you don't get in the way of important people by doing too much thinking. You had better wake up and understand that there are people who are guiding your life and you don't even know it. And all Alright everybody, Joseph Gibson here podcasting on the Times, which we'll do today, restoring our republic lawfully, and we know the uh, our government there, we know we saw them all meet last night there in the chambers of Congress there and talk in their little quorum there, and you know, we got Joe Biden there, he, oh, I, I just can't even listen to him talk, man, oh, Lord, he's, he's just, he's, just like, he's going like, go, going to a convalescent home, talking to a senile old man, that's what it's like. I mean, it's insane. But about a year ago, we called his counterpart there, Kamala Harris, and we called their San Francisco offices out there in California, and, uh, some of them, and uh, we asked them questions, you know, about you know about San Francisco and these liberal cities, and you know how they're run down, and, and they openly admitted there were needles on the road and, and their feces and. It was just uh, not a good, good place to be. Go visit on vacation. So a year later, let's see if they made any pr- improvements. Let's give them a call and see what's going on out there. Let's check in with them. They should be still at work right now. It's only 4 o'clock out there, I believe. So uh, let's give them a call. Let's see what's going on. Department of Elections. 
Uh, yes, how you doing, Department of Elections there? Uh, you're in, okay, yeah. in San Francisco, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, last year, I, I was, actually, I was trying to get somebody there from one of my representatives, but yeah, you're fine. Um, uh, I, I called the last year because I was going on vacation out there, and uh, you know I'm not trying to be a wise guy or anything, but I, all the media reports saying that there's needles all over the roads and feces, and the roads are all unsafe, and uh, there's, uh, you know um, uh, these cities for immigrants to hide at and everything. How is it out there right now? Has everything changed now that the Biden administration's taken over and have things get cleared yeah, up at sorry. all? Sorry, I'm not going to be able to make any comments regarding those. Oh well, all right. Just uh, well, how is this? Is it a safe place to come visit? Can you comment on that? Um, I mean, it's a big city, so yeah, there are crimes. There are safe places. Oh, of course, top, of course. But you know, I mean, on top yeah. of let's if it's going to be out of my you know my work here, then I'm not going to comment on anything regarding those. Yeah. Well, you work at the Board of Elections, right? That's I work well, at San Francisco quality. Department of Elections. Yeah. Yeah, Department of Elections. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, who's um, any particular candidate you work for? Is just generally for the city itself. Just for the city. Oh, okay. So you represent the city. Okay. Well, you're an agent of the city. That's why I thought maybe it might be okay for me to ask you that question. That's all I figured. You know, I'm just checking because I plan on coming out there for a visit. And I just wanted to, you know, I don't want to go out there and land and go at the airport and I'm stepping in, you know, <laughs> crap and needles and everything. You know, I mean, that's the way the media portrayed it anyway. So that's why I was asking. You know, well, I mean, how do I sure. find out? Well, who can I call to find out about this type of stuff anyway? Just uh, to like three one one. Wait, excuse me. Three one one. Three one one, and they'll tell me all. Uh, no, now I'm calling from another state, so can I, I can't call three one one. Can I call still call three one one and get a hold of somebody in San Francisco? Uh, usually, I refer people to three one one if they have questions regarding those. They can probably transfer you to the right department if you have questions regarding those. But I'm not sure oh. if you can call three one one if you're out of the states. I've never tried it before. Um, no. But other than that, I don't have any. I mean, the mayor's office probably. You want to give it a try. Mayor's office, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, do you have the? Can I can I get that phone number? Do you have it by any chance? Yeah, of course. Then give me one second. Okay. That's a good idea, actually. So their office number is going to be a four one five. Four one five. Uh huh. Five five four. Five five four. Six one four one. Six one four one. Correct. Okay. And uh, since you were at the board of elections there, how was the? Uh, what did you think last night of the uh, uh, State of the Union address? Pretty good. Pretty good, huh? I'm a little confused on your question. Sorry. Well, well, it was pretty good. I mean, what did you think of it? I mean, you know, you work oh, at the elections. What? I mean, well, what was your opinion of it? Of I mean, the turnout? Yeah, our turnout is very good. If that's what yeah. you're asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying. What, the, did you get a good vibe from it? A good, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, like things are look starting to look in a positive direction. I think um, that our turnouts for the last election has turned out to be really good. A lot of voters voted. Um, it's yeah. very important to vote. Um, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Also, in San Francisco, that like that's pretty much a uh, uh, Democrat uh, city there. So you got a large turnout at the board of elections for your uh, pre- your polls and everything. Like more than ev- more than ever, you think? Yeah. I mean, um, you can find all those information online, but um, our turnout was sixty-two percent, which is about usually around sixty to seventy percent. Um, I mean, it depends on what kind of election it is. If it's like a smaller yeah. local election, the less people 
people vote, but if it's a big like presidential election, then turnout usually is higher. Um, but yeah. like you said, um, yeah, it's pretty good for, I guess, if you compare it to other big cities. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. All right, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate your time there. I'll give the mayor's office a call. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye. All right, bye. A jerk. Another jerk. Another dummy. He can't answer my questions. He can't answer I was kind of, I kind of had to rope him in there. I had to reel him in, like a fisherman, you know. I had to hook him in, and he pretty much put his foot in his mouth, you know. Because anybody listening to that would be like, "What did that guy just say?" <laughs> you know, sixty-two percent, huh? So what's the average on that? Does anyone know? What's the average on in San Francisco for voter turnout? Does anyone know? Let's look that up real quick. See if he lied to us. Uh, what was the voter uh, San Francisco? San Francisco, San Francisco, uh, uh, 20, 2020 voter turnout, right? 2020, 2020, yeah, presidential election. 2020 voter voter turnout. I should have had this already up, but voter turnout, turnout. Let's see what we got here. Let's see, what's, let's see what's going up here. I'll pull that up real quick. Historical t- voter turnout uh, department elections, department of elections. Okay, so we uh, they had um, for the uh, San Francisco they had uh, actually um, um, let's see here in the uh, well they had for the November uh, excuse me June seventh, twenty twenty two for the registrations they had four hundred ninety five thousand four uh, four hundred ninety eight. Um, and in uh, November 8th, 2022, they had 497,000. All right, so their turnout was a little bit more. It was 62%, like you said. So it was 62% um, for 2022. And, and the mail-in the mail-in ballots are just insane. If you go from go from April 19th, 2022. The mail-in ballots was seventy-five thousand, twenty-seven percent. Then you go to you go to June, twenty twenty-two, two hundred seven thousand, five hundred eighty. What's up with that? What's up with that? And the, and the numbers don't add jive because you had three. You had the precinct there. The precinct numbers don't jive because if you look at the precinct numbers of uh, April nineteenth, uh, uh, it's three thousand seven fifteen. And then you go look at June 7, 2022, it's 22,180. That's not right. And they said the turnout was 46.37% 46, uh, in April. And then and in June it was 29%. Yeah, because everybody mailed everything in. It was all a scam. And everybody voted 30 times, that's why. You know, they were stuffing ballot harvesting. Anyway, let's give this mayor's office, mayor's office a call and get an update here. Now, last time I called them, they were very rude last year. Oh, go back and listen to that phone call. They were very, very rude. They did. Ah! No! Don't want to do that. Almost hit the wrong button on my studio. Um, Don't do that. All right, hang on. Hang on here. I'm getting a little nervous here. All right, all right let's see here. Let's dial in this number. Let's give the mayor's office a call, see what's going on. Uh, let's see here. 554. All right, and uh, we'll get an update on the crime out there too. We'll get the crime numbers. Hey, I, I don't want to talk about this stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they're my they're my local representative. I, I mean, I want to know, know stuff. But uh, we'll um, 
give them a call and see what's going on. All right, 415-554-6141, is that it? Yeah, all right, here we go. Here we go to Mayor of San Francisco. Yes, sir, Sin City, Sodom and Gomorrah, coming right up. If I call them, if I call that guy, don't get finished. I'm not calling. Don't, don't answer the phone. Thank you for calling the oh. office of Mayor Lemon Brief. Please leave a short message containing your full name, contact number, and a brief description yeah. of your concerns so we can best address it. We will do our very Yeah, sure you will. You're going to address nothing. All right, so the mayor's office is closed already, so they're already closed, so they're not going to talk to anybody. Um... All right, let's see. Who else can we call out in San Fran? San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, let's see here. What do we got here? Let's call, um, uh, let's see here. Let's call these, this, this San Francisco representative here. See if we can get this uh, representative. What's this guy's name? Uh, let's see. I think the same one, is it? All right, no. I got four numbers here to call, so line this up already today. So then we'll take some calls here, open up the phone lines. Anybody wants to talk about the, uh, uh, Joe Biden act last night, you can, or if you want to talk about it with Republic, I don't care, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, all right, here we go. Let's talk to uh, my my representative from San Francisco. Let's see here. You have reached the San Francisco Constituent Service Office for Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi. We value yeah. hearing from you. If you would like to voice your opinion, share feedback, or pass along a personal story to Congresswoman Pelosi, please press 1. If you would like to find out how to email Congresswoman Pelosi or have questions regarding her policy positions, please press 2. If you are a San Francisco resident in the 12th Congressional District and need help with constituent casework, please press 3. For U.S. Service Academy nominations and internships, please press 4. For all other district-related matters or to speak with an individual staff member, please press 5. Well, I don't want to press nothing. You have reached the San Francisco Constituent Service uh, Office for Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi. We value hearing from you. If you would uh, like to voice your opinion, share feedback, or pass along a personal story to Congresswoman Pelosi, please press 1. If you would like to find out how to email Congresswoman Pelosi or have questions regarding her policy positions, please press 2. If you are a San Francisco resident in the 12th Congressional District right and need help with constituent casework, I don't like that when press I do that. 3. For U.S. Service Academy nominations and internships, please press 4. For all other district-related matters or to speak with an individual staff member, please press 5. You have reached the San Francisco uh, Constituent no, Service Office. No, they don't connect you. All right. Okay, that's okay. I got another number for them. Let me cross that one out. Okay, that one's no good. We'll get rid of that one right now. All right? We got another number for that one, that office right there. I didn't know that was Nancy's office there that I had there. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to jot that one down and remember that one. We'll see if we can get around this one then. Four three six seven four three six seven four three six seven. We'll try this one. We're having some fun here. All right, here we go. Come on, Nancy, answer the phone. Oh, it's busy. All right, cancel, 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 hang up. Okay, all right, there. 
Got to work these phones are tricky with Block Talk Radio. Let me tell you, they're very tricky, 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 tricky. All right, let's see here. What other one do I got here? Um. All right. Uh. See, is that six five zero? I think that is. Um. All right, let's go back to my spreadsheet here. I'll get these because I got them all from last year when I called them. You know, and uh, and because uh, I was listening to that show, the show last last night. Uh, so I go back and listen to some of my old shows, and uh, I was listening. I was listening to. I called up these people, Kamala Harris, and everything. And they uh, they were pretty rude to me. And then one guy there, he really put his foot in his mouth. So, uh, all right, let's see here. Oh, get my number spreadsheet here. Nancy, Nancy. Let's see here. Um, my. Let me see here. Get my uh, numbers up here. Sorry, guys, but that's live radio. You know, anybody want to press one, I guess you can get on here now if you want to real quick. If not, I'm going to just go ahead and keep making these calls here. And uh, i got no scheduled guests here tonight for tonight. So um, let's see here. Okay, here we go. My representatives. Uh, state, state. Let's see all my local representatives there. No, 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 no. Boy, they're making it harder, boy, for you to look up this information. Let me tell you, it used to be so easy. Now, now it's 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 uh, it's all convoluted. You got to dial, do this, do that, and here, give me the house directory. You know, Casio Cortez, she's popped up on my freaking screen right here. What does she want? She's on my Twitter feed, Ocasio Cortez. <laughs> I talked to her a couple times actually. She's uh. Yeah, I have. I talked to her a couple of times. Some guys messaged me and someone else. Yeah, I did. I talked to her last year, actually. I talked to her on the phone. Uh, about three times I talked to her on the phone. You know, she, she is an idiot, but, you know, but, but uh, they do blow a lot of what she says out of proportion in the media. They really do. I mean, I, you just can't believe a lot of that crap So that they that they talk about. It's uh, I mean, the corporate news media. It's just all, it's all you know. Really, really, really blown out of proportion. I can't, I can't get this number sheet up now. Where the heck did it go? Oh, legislative Okay, here we go. Let's get. Uh, no, I don't want. I don't want the DC number because the DC they'll never. They're not going to answer. It's too late. I can't call DC right now. They're closed. Okay, here we go. Let's see. Um. Uh, let's see here. Washington DC district. Uh, let's see here. No, I no. I, Feinstein. No. Well, how about Diane Feinstein? Where's she out of? Oh, oh, she's out of California too, isn't she? Well, call, matter of fact, isn't she in San Francisco too? Feinstein, aren't they like both of them? Let's call Feinstein's office. There we go. All right, here we go. Yeah, let's call Diane Feinstein. All right, let's see here. We got her number right here. Okay, Diane Feinstein. All right, Diane Feinstein. There you are. All right, four one five. And those of you that missed, we called the Board of Elections there on, uh, in San Francisco. There, we just talked to them, and uh, they were—he was very uh, a jackass, like most of them are when I when I get them on the phone. But uh, he, did, I did rope him in, and he put his foot in his mouth like they all do, idiots, you know. But uh, all right, let's see here. This should be Feinstein's number right here. Oh, three, three, okay, right, right. I write them down so fast I can't understand my own handwriting. Here we go. Oh, busy. Okay, hang up. 
Diane Feinstein. Come on, wait, Diane Feinstein. We'll try you one more time. I want to call. I want to get her office on the phone. I really do. That would be cool. Diane Feinstein. Okay, I got another number for her office right here. Just came through. Okay, there we go. That'd be good. She's Mr. and Mrs. America. Turn them all in, right? That's what she said. Did she say that? Diane Feinstein. I see a caller here. Put your hand up. I'll get you in here in one second. Okay. I'll get you in here in one second. Let me just try this one real quick here. All right. 393. Unless you want to talk to Diane Feinstein. Well, hang on. I'll connect you in a second. Let me see if I can patch this to get this call here. Boop. Come on. Dial. Thank you for calling the office of Senator Feinstein. We apologize for missing your call. If you are calling regarding casework, please leave your name and number as well as the federal agency you are requesting assistance with. You can also email casework information to casework at feinstein.senate.gov. If you would like to leave a message, please leave your name and zip code. Our office hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thank you and have a good day. It must be closed. They're closed now. I didn't get in there early enough, I don't think. All right, I got a private caller here. Private caller, go ahead. What's on your mind? Hey, Joe, I don't think I'm a private caller. I'm a sorry caller. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Oh, man, it's all good. Hey, man, look here, man. Uh, I got to disagree with the commentary of that individual who played, although I agree mainly with the thrust of what they say. But nowadays, uh, the entertainment Media in this country does want you to think to the extent that you imbibe and are infused with their indoctrination. We, okay. We're seeing it in the NFL. We're seeing it in uh, things like, uh, you know, climate change advocacy, just sprinkled throughout all media. And if you notice, almost all of it is for left-wing progressive ideas. But one of the worst examples that I've seen recently, I mean, this one is over the top. There's this uh, animated series called The Proud Family. And it comes out, used to come on Disney, used to be a Disney, the Disney Channel series. It was on, started in 2001 and ran for four or five years. It's been revived and now it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it came out with something that, uh, you know, I'd rather than me describing it, if you don't mind, I'd yeah, like yeah, to go listen ahead. to the one no, minute and 44 yeah, sure. seconds. It's one minute and 44 seconds that they threw into this. Now remember, it was on. this is on Disney Plus, okay? Okay. But I want to get it straight. Before, before you hear it, you got to say, it's on Disney Plus. We're paying for that. That's special subscription. Exactly. So, so, so <laughs> here it is. Listen to it. You are going to be open mouth. Well, I don't know if you will not. I guess it's kind of hard to shock anybody with these leftists anymore these days. But I know, right? But I might never know. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First it was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then we did it, bang, and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers, four, four million, million strong, fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. Built this country. The descendants of 
descendants of slaves in America have earned reparations for their suffering and continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the systemic prejudice, racism, and white supremacy that America was founded with and still has not atoned for. Slaves built this country. Not only field hands, but carpenters, masons, blacksmiths, musicians, inventors, built cities from Dayton to Norman to Banneker, Washington, 40 acres and a mule. We'll take the 40 acres, keep the mule. We made your families break from the southern plantation air to the northern bankers to the New England ship owners, the founding fathers, former president, current senator, the Illuminati, the New World Order, slaves built this country. We had Tubman, Turner, Frederick D. Didn't they say Lincoln freed the slaves? But slaves were men. And women. And only we can free ourselves. Emancipation is not freedom. Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, public schools, feeding private prisons, where we become slaves again. As we celebrate Juneteenth for the Then they upped it to 250. Then they upped it to a million. Now they're up to five million. 
per uh, per modern day slave, and it keeps going up and up and up. Now they're talking about a hundred trillion dollars. <laughs> they might as well shoot the moon. I mean, why not? Right? It's California. Wow. Yeah, I got it up there on YouTube right now. I got it. The slaves built this country. The proud family. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, you know, they're shooting the moon, man. They're going for $100 trillion out there in California. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hang on. i got to play one commercial here real quick. Give me one minute. And i got this other number i got to call. Just hang on there, Sarge. I've got just one minute. Right. Roger. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry Okay, all right, here we go. I had to ch- check on something here real quick that I was waiting. I was waiting. I had sent somebody a message, and I was trying to get them on board here for tonight, but I don't think they're going to be able to make it. But that, that would have been a, made, made a great guess. But I don't want to give it out until I know for sure they're going to come on. It's it was, I mean, a spectacular guess, really. I mean, just uh, uh, p- p- part of the uh, government. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a government politician now, actually. So, But uh, I don't want to give it out until I know for sure he's going to be able to come on. But he, he, I talked to him earlier today and said he might. Uh, he's from Texas, actually. That's the only thing I'm going to say right now. But if I can get him on here, because, uh, you know, we talk about the border issues and stuff like that, and that's a huge issue, so um, that needs to be addressed. But, um, yeah, Sarge, uh, that I got that Disney video up up right here, and I, <laughs> I'm going to watch that after the show, and uh, I'm going to post that to my social media uh, platform. This this is insane. <laughs> uh, I, I could not believe it when I saw it. Remember, I, I've seen things like that plenty of times before, but, I mean, it's not – in something like Disney, and remember, yeah. Disney has been Disney has not uh, understood the fact of get woke, go broke. Now they're laying off another seven thousand employees because they're hemorrhaging money with all this wokeness. People are rejecting it right and left. They're rejecting this foolishness, and then, here you got doubling down on it. Now, well, if you read you the know, comments underneath the YouTube video. If you read the, all the comments are against oh, it. Oh, yeah, I did, man. I mean, I did. You know? I said, man, at least somebody understands what it is, because after all, you know, it, 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 think about it. The slave labor deprived Southerners of jobs they could have been doing. Think yeah. about it for a yeah. minute. Yeah. It didn't help, it didn't help <laughs> most of the people in the South, because what, maybe 6% of the people in the South own slaves or less? Yeah, I know, I know. That, that's another thing, too, yeah. the industrial development of the South. One of the reasons the South had difficulty prevailing in the Civil War is because they didn't even have a factory that could spin brass cartridges for repeating rifles. They yeah. that, they could make yeah, they could make repeating rifles, but actually almost a more difficult thing than just making a rifle is the ability to draw and spin brass into cartridges for cartridge cases. Yeah. They didn't have one factory in the South capable of doing it. Well, I got right here. I nothing of the industrial infrastructure needed to support an extensive railway system and to repair it, which was critical to moving supplies and troops to where they were needed. Yeah, well, crazy horse here. I, I, call him, 
and Geronimo here, they you know they do a blog podcast show, and I I got I try to call in there, and they go nuts when I call in there. I got a racist, you know, uh, you know they got the uh, yeah, I know, uh, American, I know, I know, yeah, Native Americans. And, and, and it was about what about twenty or so million immigrants that came to this country in the nineteenth century, <laughs> you know. Uh, Irish, Germans, Lithuanians, yeah. Poles, well, here's what Chinese. He sends me. He sends me a picture. They had a lot to do with building the country, too. Yeah, well, he sends me a picture right here, the original founding fathers, Sitting Bull, Geronimo, Red Cloud, Crazy Horse, and it says, Native Americans, the first owners of America. Native Americans were the indigenous peoples of the Americas, are the pre-Columbian inhabitants of North and South America, and their descendants, those who live within the boundaries of the present-day United States, are composed of, of uh, um, numerous distinct tribes, bands, and ethnic groups, many of which survive as intact sovereign nations. Most authorities agree that the first evidence of people inhabiting North America indicates that it was the Indians. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, uh, Joe, you know, I mean, look, labor, of course, is a critical part of any endeavor. I mean, World War II needed the labor, all those people coming together in the workforce to turn out all that industrial product to keep our troops supplied and to win the battles and all that. Everybody says labor is critical. Nobody's saying yeah. it isn't. But let's face it. Yeah. You got to have the people who design it. You got to have the architects who engineer it. You got to have the people who set it all up and organize it. They are every bit as critical as the labor is. You got to have it all working in harmony. Yeah. So even though yeah, the slaves, you know, may have act, done much of the construction and labor, by the same token, you got to have the people who know how to design and engineer it. They're just as important. You know, Sorry, and, and, what and, was your and let's face what it, was your when take you're a slave, on yeah, and, and let's face it, when you're a slave and you know you're doing labor that's uncompensated, why wouldn't you have a tendency to drag your feet? Huh. Think about that for a minute. A lot of slaves did, because I ain't getting paid for this. The only way yeah. to keep me going, maybe with a whip and a lash or a threat, or give me some inducement. Now, some slave owners were smart enough, or many actually were, to give at least some indu positive inducement for the slaves to work harder, which is why many of them, maybe even most of them, resisted breaking up families and yeah, would offer, yeah. you know, days off and this kind of thing. Because, look, for, for not, even not for moral reasons necessarily, but for pragmatic reasons. But the ones that didn't, I guarantee you, they didn't get the best work out of their slaves. I guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what do you think about this stake in the game, and he can make some money, and he gets paid compensated according to the value he provides to the enterprise. Is going to do a better job for you, Sarge. What do you think about this uh, uh, this last killing here by the police? Obviously, it was wrong what they did. I mean, they killed oh, people. Man, the hell out so the much, there's so much to say about this. There really I is. Mean, look, uh, look, look. Let, let me tell you what this is, though. Uh, look. As far as the tactics, techniques, and procedures of Memphis cops, I don't know what they were doing, but they didn't learn any of that in any police academy. Not, not right. I know. None of it. I mean, it, but, but that's not the story, really. Here's the story, Joe. This, yep. There's two aspects of the story. The more immediate one is the, 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 the shameless pandering of that so-called police chief there, that Davis woman, who rather than make a sober announcement of the seriousness of the situation, 
and the diligence of the Memphis Police Department with investigating it, she chose to act as though she was an advocate for the family rather than a representative of the city of Memphis and yeah. the chief of police. She pandered. She evaded her own responsibility because every commander I know, whether it is police or in the military, ultimately says I am responsible for either the lack of training of my troops and my officers or their, and or their conduct. Every responsible yeah. commander I know does that. This woman was anything but a responsible commander, and it shows by her record when she got fired from the Atlanta Police Department and got reinstated after a lawsuit. Jeez. Yeah, no, and, 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 you know, and, and, but there's an even bigger aspect to it than that. See, here's the thing. They are saying that, yes, all the people involved were black. You got the mayor's black. The police chief is black. The city council is black. The counties are black. The state's attorney or the district or whatever it is in Memphis, they're all black. But that doesn't matter. You see, the yeah. system is infused with white supremacy and racism. It cannot be fixed. So even when you put black people in these positions, they internalize the white supremacy, the discrimination, the institutionalized racism. There's only one solution. That's to tear it all down and replace yep. it with a racial hierarchy or intersectional hierarchy suffused with elements of critical race theory. Yeah, 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 I That's agree. Because you're not going to mold it. Yeah, you're not going to mold this. Really you're not changing the but way it's founded. all the stuff about what these officers did, really, if you're looking at the big picture, because, yes, they need to be held accountable. Yes, they need to be prosecuted. Yes, if they're convicted, they need to be punished. That's given. That's like, that's like yeah. Open and shut, cut and dry. That's but right. The, that's right. Real. The other two things: the evasion of responsibility, and the, the fact that the the system is irredeemable, cannot be repaired, and the only solution, the only proper solution, is to rip it all down, get rid of objective application of the law, and come up with a subjective race-based application of law. That is the most insidious part about it. Yeah. But the problem is, though, is the politicians aren't going to come up with something, a hard-nosed uh, question proposed to the people. Is that, is that what you want? You're going to get the same people talking about peace, love, we can heal, and everybody's going to get along. And that's just not going to happen on both sides because you're always going to have the few that are going to destroy it for the majority. You know? I mean, that's, yeah, just, well, that's how I see it. I mean, so what's the answer? We can't go back to segregation. We're not going to divide the country thing, along Joe, racial here's lines. The here's the thing, Joe. There's another subtext, this thing with crime, and this is what is, the, is really one of the most neglected and really mis intentionally misleading aspects of crime in the United States. There are over 3,300 counties in the United States of America, 3,300. 85% of all homicides, excluding suicides, 85% of all homicides given on average from year to year, it varies, but... You can say 85% for like the last sure, 10 or sure. so years. 85% homicides occur in 31 of the 3,300 counties in the United States. And in the top 10 cities where they occur in these counties, they are all reigned over by Democrats. Yep. Let me say that again. 85%, 31 counties. There are many, 52% of the counties in the United States don't even report one homicide a year. Wow. Not wow. even one a year. 
Wow. And we're seeing it here in North Carolina, Guilford County uh, and Forsyth County. Uh, uh, we got a black sheriff that's a liberal now. And uh, they got rid of the, of the conservative sheriff, which was he was a black sheriff. They got rid of him. Bam. Crime shot up. Yeah, they want to pretend it's a universal problem in every corner of the United States. So what can they do? They can move us toward a federal policing system rather yeah, than allow yeah. what the Constitution intends, federalism and local control of law enforcement. Yeah, you ever watch that documentary, Endgame? You ever watch that no. one? No. no, oh, that's a good one right there. I want to play. I'll play a couple minutes of that here. That is a good one. How it opens up. You need to look that up on the internet and and uh, and uh, watch that. That is what you were just talking about right there. I'll play like three minutes of it. This is good, right here. Okay. before the Congressional Committee to tell what I knew of activities which might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. President Bush signed a formal agreement that will end the United States as we know it. And he took the step without approval from either the U.S. Congress or the people of the United States. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? I'm Jim Tucker. I've chased Bilderberg for 30 years. I'll never... Give up the chase. Bilderberg's plan for the whole world is nothing less than world government. I'm not comfortable with that at all. Who elected these guys to run the planet? They are the elitists. They feel they should run the world for their own selfish interests. Now we can see a new world coming into view. A world in which there is a very real prospect of a new world order. Bilderberg is making great progress toward a world government, and only an educated, informed public can stop them in their tracks. David Rockefeller admits in his own memoirs that he wants to destroy the United States. He's a traitor! It's good to be back at the Council on Foreign Relations. As uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. I need you to move off the property. Some shots were fired. There's Bilderbergers right there. The Trans-Texas Corridor is a vital part because we stop it here in Texas. We stop the new world order right here in Texas. This thing started here. And to save this country, we kill this damn thing here.
a chance for the President of the United States to carry out a phrase his father used, and that is a new world order. Your new world order will fall. Your humanity will defeat you. The answer to 
you know? I mean, and that, and I'm, I'm going to say, mostly in the black community. They, they, they stub their nose at me, you know? They go out to the country, though, it's how you doing, so you get the respect, you know? So why is that? Did you notice that? Oh, I noticed it definitely, but I, I was working mainly in Chicago and Cook County, and I was a state policeman, and I just don't think, fairly or unfairly, that we had the same stench of corruption like you might find with the Chicago Police Department. We were we didn't have the automatic hatred that Chicago cops often got. You yeah, know? Yeah. We got yeah, it. Don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong. We got it. I mean, I regularly got it from guys whom I had to fight because they didn't want to go to jail on a warrant. You know, something like that. <laughs> I get that. But I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the automatic resentment. Because they figured, and with some justification, you know, we didn't have the same record for corruption, even though this it's there, it was there, too. I'm not saying it wasn't. But it certainly wasn't to the extent, or nor did the public mind associate it, to the extent you get with a lot of big city police departments like New York, Chicago, L.A., you know, and others, and others like that. So um, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, and I know uh, a lot of times it comes because histories, and oftentimes a lot of the stuff that happens in histories. Even though it's bad, it's wildly over-exaggerated as to its extent and to the number of police officers that are involved in it. So well, that's well, one of the got, reasons the public this, has you just got maybe this lopsided that you just hated, or though. perception you know? of it. Well, yeah, you just get that look that you're hated. Like, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, hey, this guy, look at this, what's he doing here? You know, like that, you know, or uh-oh, look at her, oh, you know, no respect. I wouldn't, I'll tell you what. I, 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 on lunch break, I made the mistake of going through a drive-thru. I said, oh, I'm not eating your food. I, I, I know they spit in it. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going to. And you know, you, but, uh, in the areas I would work, because I tried to make good relationships, particularly with storekeepers and, you know, merchants in the area. They they really love to see us coming around. I mean, we got nothing but welcomes and appreciation from folks like that. And many of the folks who work with on our, on our, on our beats, they really – like seeing us coming around. I mean, I, yeah. but then again, it was a slightly different time because I retired from the job in 2004 before this current crop of all this insanity started. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So I, I can't, I can honestly say I was kind of the beneficiary of a different time. Yeah. Man, and it's different now, Stars. I can I mean, tell you. 2006. <laughs> 2007. Yeah, 2007. But I, I can say I was a beneficiary of a different time and a different attitude toward policing, even though it was beginning to harden. Oh, yeah, listen, another thing, too. What, I want to ask your, your opinion on uh, all the shows that you listen to with the Republic. What was your take on these guys that I had on here the past six months, you know, uh, coming on here now that they're gone and everything? But, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, I mean, what was your take on it? On, on which people? Give me some specific. Well, the, the Republic and what the message that what they were trying to do. Obviously, I was behind him with the rallying and and uh, trying to get together, you know, to, you know, to, to to restore our republic. I mean, were they doing it the right way? Because you're a history expert, and and I know you had questions about the thirty thousand and and the Northwest Observer and the proclamation of interest and things that they were reading. I mean, what was your take on all that? Well, I just don't, you know, I, given the immense difficulties we have with merely one aspect of the Constitution, like what constitutes a natural born citizen. I thought this was just too complex to, to, yeah, to pass agreed. that kind of muster. I mean, even if even what they're saying is so, because I know what I'm saying with the natural born citizen is so based on judicial precedent 
and the intention of the framers of the Constitution, it didn't matter because people thought, oh, it's technicality. It's not a technical requirement. Yeah. It's not a technicality. And most people would see this is another technicality that has no chance of getting anywhere. And so they're not going to invest the time. They would, they would probably not want to invest the time in it to make it come to fruition. You're not going to wake everybody up in the country. But, We're not going to wake every educator. Conversations are always good to have because people are just so damn ignorant about the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. It's always but, but, worth yeah. having the Constitution about because if anybody even gets a glimmer of understanding and passes on to someone else, you know, ripples in a pond and all, you know? Yeah, yeah. But but we're so not going to wake up the entire country. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They, I think they should. I think every American that wants to get involved in American civic life should do it the way they think is best to do it, as long as it's lawful. Let them, yeah. and, and, and their message has value in it, it, it for information, if nothing else. Yeah. Information yeah. Yeah. is to doing it. But Sarge, you know, I researched it. But Sarge, a light went on. A light went on in my head several times. I researched it. We would have to revert back to before the Civil War, and that's not going to happen. We have to – whatever means or reasons we fought the Civil War, whatever – you know, if we know it wasn't mainly over slavery, we're not going – the powers to be are not going to allow us to reverse back to that time. No matter how many people you wake up, it's just not going to happen, you know? Well, some you know, I you know, I did do a, a show. Uh, you know, Sally. She asked me to come on the American Statesman and talk about the Battle of Athens. And yep, on the yep. show on Monday, I came on there and talked for an hour about the Battle of Athens with her. Yeah, we I wish I would have got an email reminder on that. I would like to have heard that. Well, you, you can get it on the it's on, on the archives. You can go listen to it on Monday. We had an okay. in-depth discussion about it. Okay. And uh, so no go? one would have thought, and remember now, the, the Battle of Athens, 1946, that's within living memory, was the only successful armed rebellion in the United States since the United States, since the, United, the American Revolution. And I'm very ignorant of that history part, that, that section. Well, you might history. want to listen to the show we did on Monday, because yeah. we really covered it pretty much in depth. Yeah, well, it was quite a remarkable story, too. I mean, truly a remarkable story. You gotta remember, these guys broke a lot of laws. They were in a do or die situation. And do you realize the reason this this uh, incident is not as widely known as it should be? It's really fairly well known in Tennessee, but across the United States, most people never even heard of it. And there's, there's two reasons for that. Number one, yeah. the people involved in it knew how many laws they had broken. Okay, yeah. they feared prosecution. They were completely successful, mind you. Make no mistake about it. They, with, they, they had a battle where hundreds of thousands of rounds were fired, including automatic weapons and whatnot. At the depth, yep. many people were severely wounded. Nobody got killed, amazingly. Many people were wow. wounded. But, but, but they knew they'd broken a lot of laws, and they feared prosecution. So what – and they were waiting for prosecutors. You know, the Tennessee Attorney General's looking at it. The federal government's looking at it. But they realized that, okay, it had a fair conflict because the state, they had a couple of electors from the state commission on hand to certify the results of the election after the GIs, and mainly it was World War II GI veterans who led this action, who got the ballot boxes back from the corrupt sheriff and the corrupt sheriff's deputies 
and had an honest count in the open where everyone could see the count the way Tennessee law required, because every one of these elections, this corrupt sheriff's machine in McMinn County would take the ballots back to the jailhouse under lock and key and manipulate the, the outcome. They'd manipulate ballots. That was like today, okay. Har- ballot harvesting, keeping people on the rolls that were not eligible to vote, allowing yep. ineligible voters to vote, voter intimidation, uh, violation of state ele- and federal election law. It was like 2020. But it was even worse to the effect that the, the sheriff's deputies acted like stormtroopers, beating and intimidating people, even countenancing murder. And since the deputies didn't get a regular salary, a regular salary, they would do what they call fee grabbing. They would just grab people off of buses coming through town, accuse them of public drunkenness, take them to j- arrest them, take them to jail, and require them to pay a $16.91 fine, which today is the equivalent of about $319 in purchasing power. And they had to pay that or they couldn't get out of jail. And then you realize that with this corrupt scheme, these deputies made over $335,000 from 1936 to 1946, which is the equivalent of about $6 million today with a county population of 30,000 people. Man, I'm telling you, and these GIs, remember, 10% of the male population of McMinn County went to war. Yeah, 3,000 of them. Huh? 3,000 yeah, of them that was, returned. 10%, that was over 10% of the population went into the service and went to war overseas. Now, these guys, the leader of the outfit was a guy named Bill White. He was a Marine. He fought at Guadalcanal. Okay. I'm talking about the leader of the fighting bunch, not the ones who were actually on the ticket. They were all GIs, too. But the ones who actually picked up the rifles and shot it out, with it, there were 60 of them against about 250 deputies. Okay? Really? And the ones that picked up the weapons were led by Bill White. Again, he was a veteran of Guadalcanal, uh, um, Tulagi, Gabututu, Tonakambanga. He fought very heavy combat. Then he survived the 76-hour bloodbath at Tarawa. And you had all kinds of other GIs there who were combat veterans, Hurtgen Forrest, Arden Forrest, Anzio, Monte Cassino, Rapido River, the Volturno, Taylor Lou Saipan, Iwo Jima. They, they either been at places like that or in places like those. And then they come wow. back home. They got all this mustering out pay. They're on the bus. Maybe they have one or two beers to celebrate surviving combat or just boring, arduous duty overseas. And here comes these sheriffs, many of whom were draft dodgers of 4F. And then he shows pulling them out buses, uh, taking their money with these fee-grabbing schemes, these phony fake tickets, beating them up sometimes, you know. And these men have been overseas yeah. fighting tyranny and fascism. And while they were overseas, they were getting letters from their townsfolk at home complaining about the treatment the authorities were doing to them in the in, in, in city of Athens and McMinn County and Etowah, a neighboring city. And they were complaining about wow. them eager to get back home and do something about it. And as soon as they got back home, many of them were rousted by these corrupt deputies. And they weren't <laughs> having it. They weren't having it. Wow. I'm telling you, man, it was, it's really an amazing story. And, and, and the thing about it, Joe, is that these guys, these guys conducted themselves like soldiers. They didn't act like a lynch mob. 
Yeah, yeah they yeah. shot these people. They wounded the deputies and everything else. But they accepted the surrender. They prevent the mob. The townspeople hated them. It was like the Battle of Bull Run. The townspeople who weren't directly involved in it got to a relatively safe position and looked down, cheering on their men, shooting it out with the deputies. Really? Can you imagine that? It was like the Battle of Bull Run. You you had citizens come in with picnic baskets and whatnot? You won't see that today, though. You won't see that today. I mean, January 6th was the closest. And then when they did get these guys and made them surrender, um, one one angry citizen ran up behind the sheriff and cut his throat. Oh, God. What kept him bleeding to death was the uh, deputies. I mean, the GIs gave him first aid and got him to the hospital, prevented him from dying. They, They also got another guy who'd been shot in the leg, wounded very badly, he was he was bleeding to death, and they stopped the bleeding, got him to the hospital, got him blood transfused, and saved his life. They didn't act like a lynch mob. They accepted yeah, yeah. the surrender of the deputies. They counted the ballots. The elections were certified by the county officials at the scene that night, and the results were That's all they in. wanted. That's all they wanted. Was on that's all they wanted was to get it certified. And that's another reason they didn't decided not to prosecute anybody involved in the affair. You want to know the one exception? To the person getting prosecuted, that there was one exception that did get prosecuted in this thing. Now, get this. There was a black man in the town named Tom Gillespie. Tom Gillespie was a 70-year-old farmer. There were no Jim Crow laws in that county, or I believe in Tennessee, against black people voting if you had a poll tax receipt, because poll taxes at that time had not yet been declared unconstitutional. So in order to vote, you had to show up with a poll tax receipt. If you had the poll tax receipt, you could vote. That was the law. Now, yep. th- this guy ran into a particularly brutal and nasty bastard of a deputy sheriff, a guy named Wise. You know? Uh, yeah, and, sounds like and, a redneck. And, 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 yeah, oh, he's real, man. He, he's about as bad as he got. He's, he's one of the, identifies one of the worst of them. And this guy, Wise, Saw him coming up there, you know, he's going on with the N-word, this, N-word, that, because he knew black people back then, most of them vote Republicans, or at least a substantial amount of them did. And he was worried they weren't going to vote Democrat, and he wasn't going to let him come in there and vote. And, and, and of course, Mr. Gillespie insisted upon his right to vote, because he has a poll tax receipt. He wanted to go in there and vote. Now, Wise didn't want him to vote. So Wise hauled up and smacked him in the mouth with the brass knuckles, knocked him down. Mr. Gillespie, with great dignity, wiped the blood out of his mouth, got up and pushed his way past the deputy into the polling booth. Now, naturally, Wise is outraged, follows him into the polling place. Here's this black man, 70-year-old black man, leaning up against the wall with his arms crossed. He started to beat him again. And so uh, Tom Gillespie then at that point decided he better retreat because this guy might just kill me. And as he was leaving, trying to get away from him, Wise pulled out his revolver and shot him in the back. Now, yeah, 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 he shot him in the back, but he didn't die, though. No, he didn't die. He didn't die, because the GIs were outraged by this. The people got him to the hospital. He was able to save his life. But that yeah. was one of the two catalysts that launched the whole damn thing off. Tom Gillespie getting shot in the back by Wise, and the sheriffs took two of the GI poll watchers hostage because they insisted upon those deputies observing election law and allowing them to witness the vote count in the ballot yep, uh, yep. Uh, dropping. And they, they smashed the window, though. They smashed the window. And they said, let's go home and get our gats. 
Then they broke into the National Guard armory, took uh, about 70 or 80 uh, M1917 Lee Enfield rifles, a couple Thompson submachine guns. Later on, they wow. took some uh, 1919 uh, uh, Browning 30 caliber machine guns later on oh, to guard exits to the, to the entrances and exits of the town. But immediately they took Thompson guns and the rifles and bandoliers and ammunition and came back with their own privately arms, too, and started shooting out with the deputies. Wow. So, wow. You see, that's yeah. Uh, they asked for, and, it, cause, and then when it got through, they cleaned all the rifles and returned them to the Army, the ones that the Army, the ones that belonged to the National Guard. And, of course, the ammunition now was expended. <laughs> they didn't return that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the firearms. And get this now, when the authorities were asked to investigate this, and Tennessee, state tenants were asked to, they asked the National Guard, uh, about the theft of the weapon. And that's because said, we got no evidence that the weapons are stolen. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the reason right here. This Wait, is the main reason. Why, reason. A, a lot of the people shooting at the deputies were also National Guardsmen. Wow. They showed us, Sarge, when citizens can and should use armed force to support the rule of law. It's an amazing you know? story, uh, 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 Joe. I'm telling you, you really ought to. Here's the book you ought to get to find out all about it. It's called The Fighting Bunch, The Only Successful Armed Rebellion Since the American Revolution. It's written by a man named Chris DeRosa. Wow. And it, it tells okay. you the whole thing. It's got all the information about it in there. He did extensive research. He's got a huge whole, uh, pages of footnotes. And it's really a remarkable story. These guys were well, the greatest yeah. generation. They were. Yeah, that that is that is something there that that people could be proud of, as far as you know. But remember, there were two was, reasons you know? they didn't prosecute them because they did break a whole bunch of laws. One, nobody, the men themselves didn't want to get prosecuted. Cause they didn't want to talk about it too much. And number two, the authorities knew they'd been from the Department of Justice because you had prominent citizens in the state. Writing to Francis Biddle, Franklin Roosevelt's attorney general, telling him about what was going on in, in, in um, McMinn County in great detail, all the crimes being committed by these corrupt sheriff's deputies, the beatings, the intimidation, breaking election law, the racketeering they were doing, allowing gambling houses and houses of prostitution and juice loan racketeering and all kinds of other stuff. And along with other people making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of complaints from the years 1936 to 1946, and they just ignored it all. State authorities too ignored it all, and they knew an investigation this would be bringing all that out. So everybody just decided we'd be better off if we don't bring this up. Like I said, the only person that got convicted was Wise for shooting Gillespie in the back. He got three years for aggravated battery. He served one year, and they paroled him for the other two. They well, that's got that a lot of history. He got, he, got, he got convicted for shooting a black man in the back. <laughs> yeah, and that's that. Oh, man, that's I, that's, I love this story. I just love this story. Well, I mean, I, it well look, Sarge, Sarge that, that's got a lot of history that, that, that uh, down there. You know, Some of the land and buildings include the site where part of the once thriving town of Athens, located in uh, on the Des Moines River. No, it, it, you go back. It, they had about 50 businesses before the Civil War, including a large mill that produced flour, uh, uh, corn mill, 
uh, lumber, cotton, and woolen goods. And, and actually, Colonel David Moore occupied the town with his pro-Union forces from July 24th to October 31st, 1861. Um, and then on August 5th, Moore's force of under 500 men repelled Colonel Martin Green's uh, pro-South State Guards of about 2,000 men who were yes. trying to rescue the town from Union occupation. Yes, they were anti-secession. They were anti-secession. They also are, uh, were anti the forced removal of the Cherokee from their homes. They were Scots-Irish wow. who were descended from people, mainly Scots-Irish who initially settled it anyway. And they were descended from people who were the Scottish borderers who had always been at odds with the government. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of bought wow. this contrary attitude toward government mm-hmm. authority probably with them <laughs> with tails handed down through generations. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I mean uh, and like I said, and a, a lot of things, times when the government did things they felt would be unjust, they would kind of side with the underdogs in yeah. that county. So, well, that's I mean, how it's, you know, know that's people, something, wow. Yeah, they weren't indoctrinated like that back then, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, and like I said, these you know, but, GIs, yeah. man, look, they've been fighting fascism and tyranny all this time. They saw the concentration camps. They heard stories of how people were being treated by the Gestapo and the SS, and they heard the stories of the occupation authorities, those Japanese, with, when they yeah. were, were involved with civilian populations like in the Philippines and in Indonesia and Malaysia and places like that, and the Chinese, and then, of course, what the Germans did in their occupied territories in World War II. And they had a strong sense of injustice, especially when they got all these letters from their relatives detailing very much the same thing going on right in their own hometown. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's something. I'll tell you what, I'd like to see that You know, as far as I'm concerned, it is the greatest civic story of civic involvement in the civil process since yeah. Lexington Concord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, I tell you, I'd like to visit that city. Uh, you know, those were obviously, you know, they came back from the war, these men, and they were like, the heck with this, man. We're not tolerating this, you know. And, <laughs> and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. It's like January 6th yeah. with us, you know, our generation. You know, look, you know, that election was a fraud. We know it was. It was and simple you ought to see things they were talking about, I swear, except for the electronic voting machines, they mirror what happened in 2020. Yeah. yeah, it's almost a it's almost a duplicate of what they do, with the exception of the outright unrestrained physical violence against their political enemies. Other than that, but look everything at, yeah. else they were doing, ballot harvesting, ballot box something, shenanigans with absentee ballots, everything mirrored 2020. Unreal, unreal, unreal! Wow. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Press one if you want to comment. Phone line here tonight. Uh, you want to jump in here in the conversation? You got something you want to say? Now's the time. Press one and get in there and uh, say whatever you want to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna do a little research on that. You got my uh, curiosity peaked. I'm a little, I was a little ignorant. I've heard of it. You know, the Battle of Athens, of course. You don't hear anything about history in the country, oh, yeah. but that book, got man. lost the because book, of World the War book II era. The treasure. The book is a treasure re- reference. You need to get the book. They got it on Amazon. You probably get it. That a lot should of other be places. taught in school. That should be taught in history class in school. Yeah, it, it was definitely history. The you only know, successful I mean, armed rebellion in the United States since the American Revolution. The only one. 
Wow. You, know you talked about that. You know why on the I succeeded? You know why I succeeded? Remember we talked about the lone wolf thing? It had the backing of almost everybody in the region. They wow. weren't lone wolves. Well, I tell you, man, that's that's that's. I'm gonna look that up. But uh, uh, real quick, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you because we don't have too many people here pressing one here tonight, so I got a chance here to talk to you now. Um, what what do you think about? Um, you know, I'm gonna be running again here for the uh, uh, you know office here. I still got my state registered uh, political committee. Uh, you know, I was I think about changing my slope, you know campaign slogan up a little bit, or I don't know. I, I was ran on restore the republic last time. Uh, you know, and that was with the signs I had put up and whatnot. And now I know pretty much what I got to do to win. You know, I got to raise money, that's for sure. You know, uh, but uh, what do you think, in your opinion? I mean, uh, Joe, Joe was talking to me, uh, you, Joe that called in here, you know who he is. You know, he said, well, you know, really, you know, what position should you run for? I mean, where can you make the most change? Well, it's not about that, it's about getting my foot in the door. But as a state lawmaker in my district, what do you think? You know, I know you don't know my area, but what would you address first? It was your nullification powers as a legislator, or, or what would you propose or sponsor as a bill if you were a lawmaker? I mean, what do you think is serious? Because most of the same issues face all of us in the same areas. You're from, uh, what, Georgia area now. You know, we're, we pretty much got the same issues. The crime is raising, uh, the inflation, gas prices, Medicaid uh, expansion talks, uh, stuff like that, that education. You know, it, it's the same problems. So what do you think? I mean, what would you do? Well, first and foremost, as a representative, you got to represent your district. So first of all, you got to find out what concerns them. And in addition to that, through your own observations, what ought yeah. to be of concern, after you discover what concerns them most, then you figure out through your own observations what should concern them and bring that to their attention too. And then you okay. get kind of a consensus between the two uh, uh, notions, and you decide where you're going to prioritize your efforts. See, we mainly got unaffiliated, unaffiliated voters here in uh, in my district. Unaffiliated, they 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 are 67 percent of the voters out here. Unaffiliated. Yeah. So, and then the, and then we got Republican, and then you got a few, lip, you know, Dem- Democrats are pretty non-existent here. You know, you got a couple thousand of them at that. You know. Yeah. But uh, well, Republican. You know, you know what really so. was great about that battle of Athens? When the GIs ran their ticket, they didn't run as Republicans or Democrats, even though all the corruption was coming from Democrats. They had a nonpartisan ticket. They had a nonpartisan ticket. They had three Republicans and two Democrats. Now you got to remember, back then the Democrats, even though they might have had a bit more corruption, they weren't insane and lunatic like they are now. So yeah, it yeah, I know, yeah, deal. I know. It wasn't such a big deal. That GR ticket was nonpartisan. Anybody who was committed to uh, integrity in government and wanting to clean it up was welcome in the GI party and on their ticket. So it was nonpartisan. <laughs> so they, were basically, uh, they were basically independents then. Uh, yeah, you right? can say that, yeah, basically, yeah. Even though they did run <laughs> by, on their party affiliation, but they were definitely independent about cleaning up the corruption in McMinn County. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. unequivocal with them. They wanted to clean it up. Well, you know, the Republicans are pretty hardcore, you know, with the conservative values and whatnot in my area. But the, the Democrats, you know, you can feel it creeping in. And, and look, you know, some of their issues there, you know, you get that crime and everything. And, 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 and you know, but and they do got a lot of whacked out policies. But and their progressiveness is not something I support or would ever stand behind because it would just it destroys the moral fabric of our republic. 
But the Republicans, you know, I don't agree with that cutting, going after Social Security or going after Medicaid either. I don't like that. You know, that attacks the elderly people, you know? Yeah, we, we understand the problems inherent with doing anything with Social Security. But let's face it, it's, it, it, is, it is an unfair burden on our posterity. People haven't even been born yet who are going to bear the ultimate burden of this mismanaged Social Security system. Something's got to be done. We are doing a moral sin to our posterity. They're going to be stuck hey, but with we it. We don't want to own up to it either, though. We don't that's want to own up what, to it, that's though. That's not what responsible parents do for their children. Yeah, You don't stick them that's with a true. bill like this. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And, but, and, but wait and, a second now, Sarge. Wait a second now, Sarge. We are, we are, we are worth $160 trillion. We're only $30 trillion in debt. So we have plenty of money in America to work with. We got plenty. You know, so, so you know, I know the GDP and growth, whatever, they feel, you know, off, and I understand the deficit's going up and up and up. But in reality, it's not that bad when you think about it, the national debt. You know, when you you have 160 trillion, and you know, and you're worth, and you only have 30 trillion in debt, that's not bad. You know, for yeah, your, your house was, assets, you know, you know, all those assets aren't liquid. I mean, you know, they're they're tied up in oh, yeah, they're bonds, yeah, bonds and everything. Yeah, I know, but it's it's what yeah, the, what I mean, our, you know, our government's I mean, worth. But here's the thing, though, uh, uh, Joe. Even though, let's say, right, if everything could freeze the way it is today, yes, it probably is soluble over time. But it keeps getting bigger, never getting smaller. It gets bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger by the decade. It's like it's yeah. like a cancer. <laughs> it's a, no, it literally is growing like a cancer. It will yeah. get to the yeah. point where yeah. it overwhelms overwhelms everything. Doesn't mean you yeah, can't. No, I, I agree. Devote, I mean, nobody can devote all of their income to solving whatever you, debt you got, whether it's a mortgage, a car payment. College payments, student loans, you know. Sarge, we're not going to get out of this. Sarge, we, the monetary you know, policy. Whatever it is, yeah. you, can't, you can't devote all your income to solving even the most severe uh, economic debt. Yeah, but our, yeah, but our, unless we change our monetary policies and, 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 and you know, it, we're, we're never going to get out of it because the spending is too addictive and it doesn't matter who you are. When you have a blank checkbook and you got the Federal Reserve printing the money at will, it doesn't yeah. matter who you are. You're going to spend the darn money, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know, but you heard what I said a little bit earlier, didn't you? A $16.91 fine back then is worth three hundred yeah. over $319 today. And that tells yeah. you all you know right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, our money's becoming increasingly worth less. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. We don't have the purchasing power anymore that we once had. That's 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 uh-huh. definitely. I, I went over that one time with gas prices. Gas prices, what what they were in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and then compare them to now, how they jumped. They jumped in two thousand five uh, so much more <laughs> than any other time. Twenty nine cents a gallon, man. I mean, it was twenty nine thirty nine cents a gallon. You know, so what happened in 2005? Katrina. Katrina happened. Well, wait a second here. But why jump so much because of that? And it's never gone back down, really. Yeah, Trump brought him down a little bit, you know, and he kept him stable when he was president. But it's, it's never really gone he was back down. He on the road to get even lower. Yeah. 
And remember, that was a yeah. big crimp in the whole Green New Deal. They had to get rid of Trump because Trump was a huge roadblock in the implementation of alternative energy sources. And we saw that babbling moron high on psychedelics or edibles, Kamala Harris, that blithering idiot. <laughs> she's up here at, at this speech. Uh, she's gushing on about she loves space travel. And the astronauts go out in space. And she talked, remember when she talked about the 15,000 gallons? Yeah. Do you yeah, think yeah. any of that was renewables <laughs> or alternate energies going? What kind of fuel do you think was going in that rocket ship? Fossil fuel. Well, well she's not going to be president. We know that. But, but listen, they're going to electric cars. We were just talking about gas, whatever. They're going. We've yeah, already got it in our budget here in North Carolina. Of African children in Africa that are strip mining the environment, releasing toxic chemicals all over the place. Have you seen some of those pits? They got thousands of people working in for pennies a day. It is the worst slave mar- labor market you can imagine. And I don't know. What are you talking about? It's what are you not talking even about? green. What are you talking about? Over in Africa? Yes. Get in the car. I, 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 I don't know what's going on over there with the slavery. I oh know they got God, slave labor. Oh, my God. You an investigative reporter went in there and filmed one of them. There were literally thousands of people. I looked at the crowd. I estimated eight or 9,000 working in a quarry that had been strip mined. I mean, just, just tore the environment all up, the landscape. And they were wow. hacking hammers, getting for cobalt ore out of this quarry. And they all looked like they were undernourished. It looked like something out of the slave trade. Wow, really? In today's day and age? And wait a minute, and wait a minute. Here's the thing. you got to remember, when those batteries are manufactured, they are going to be energized by fossil fuels. Yeah, I know, I know. Every 50 miles, they're going to have a charging station. Damn, Joe. The whole thing is a big grift. Sarge, every 50 miles they're going to have a charging station. Every 50 miles on the highway. You can't. That's not enough. That's nonsense. They, they can't do it. No, it's I know, nonsense. but they got it proposed. They got it proposed and all ready to go, drafted up for 2030. It's, it's designed to enrich their select group. It will disrupt the transportation industry and nothing else. It will make it dirtier in the long run. Sarge, America is going to be destroyed by then. That's why they're doing it. We're not going to have all these cars on the road anymore. Nobody's going to have any I money. I know. They're, they're going to cite you know? the failure of the electric cars, the reason just abandon private transportation altogether. Yep. Yep. I see it coming. I see it coming. I see that. I see that. That's what's going to happen. Because they're already committed to it, and they're already going to implement it. So, you know, oh. there's nothing you could do. I mean, if you, if you can't fill up your car with gas anywhere, nobody's going to drive them. You know, so, I mean, you know, so it's coming. The Green but New Deal is the biggest grift and con and, 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 and scheme for transfer of wealth ever envisioned in the United States. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. But, but people are not woke to it. But you know what, man? Are you like, over the, you know? let the marketplace dictate its... Uh, failure and success, then I would say, okay, if people make the choice that electric cars and electrification is better for them, like what happened at the beginning of the 20th century when the race was on between the steam car, the electric car, and the internal combustion engine, 
and people decided that the internal combustion engine was better, and they didn't have any government edicts, no government mandates, no, we've got to have all internal combustion engines by the year 1930 or whatever. Nope. They said, look, we'll let people decide what is best, and the market dictated. The market dictated. Most people decided that uh, internal combustion steam was out because it was too cumbersome. You had to get yeah. up early in the morning, fire up the boiler, make sure the pressures were all right. It was just too damn cumbersome. That didn't work. The, the electrical cars of the day, their battery power was insufficient for any kind of meaningful range whatsoever, and it was somewhat dangerous. The internal combustion engine, as fickety as it might be, was infinitely better than either of those two alternatives. That's what people decided to get. But they don't, yeah. they don't trust the people. The people might not decide the right way, just like them deputies in McMinn County said, you might not vote the right way, so we got to make sure you vote the right way. And that's what this government is doing. <laughs> this government is telling you, we don't trust you to make the right decision about your private transportation. We shall direct you and edict you into making the right decision. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Well, sorry, give me your closing thoughts here tonight. We'll, we'll get, i got to get ready to wrap it up here. So uh, well, give me your closing thoughts. Only you and I well, tonight. That's pretty good. Huh? It was only you and I tonight. Pretty good. Not bad. Oh, yeah. Well, we had a good time talking. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Know. Good. Yeah, well, you know. Those I'll tell you, thoughts. Well, look, all I can say is is that uh, we got a long way to go. we got a lot of people to convince. we got to realize that all the tides are working against us, even educating people with what we know, what we understand, what the facts are as we know them, what the history is as we know them. We can see it getting worse and worse with this unrelenting indoctrination and thought police bullying they're doing. So what, all I can say is we got a long road to hold. We got to realize it ain't going to be easy. But maybe it's, the, maybe it's the end of the beginning of it and the start of a new beginning. I'm open. I agree. I got to agree with what you just said right there. Um, but... I mean, do we have the capability of rebuilding and getting out of this mess that we're in right now, this trend, this downward spiral? I don't know. I know because we're, well, you know, when you look at it, we're losing such good people. I was watching a movie this morning, uh, Hotel Hanoi or something it was, but all the, you know, the, the vets, Vietnam vets that were, you know, prisoners of war since 1963 up to the end of the war, some of them. Imagine that, 12 years being in there. You know, it's pretty, they would oh, yeah. probably torture them, you know, and those poor guys, man. You know, I don't know how the heck they survived that. But, you know, it was a sad story, you know. But, they, you know, at the end, they're free and everything. And, uh, you know, they got tortured so bad. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, at the at the end, you know, he goes, uh, they rescue him. He goes, where were you? He goes, we were in here waiting on you. Where were you? You know? <laughs> so, oh, man, you know. Most, some of the most inspiring stories I've ever read was the resistance of those prisoners in the Hanoi Hilton. To their repeated yeah, torture. Hilton. That was the movie. That was the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. To their repeated torture and their mistreatment and the way they figured out how to communicate with each other and help each other resist the communist uh, depredations. It was heroic. James Stockdale got the Medal of Honor for his heroic resistance as a prisoner of war. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. And he deserved it, uh, too. He decided yeah. it was so bad after they finally broke him because he was holding out longer without being without having to sign a confession. He kept getting tortured, you know, with the rope torture and all other stuff they did, which oh, is horrific. I know. And he, he and broke it. He was pain. so ashamed of himself. He decided that rather than them getting any more out of him, he was going to commit suicide. And he tried to commit yeah. suicide. 
And he almost died. Yeah. And that's when the North Vietnamese were, oh, we don't want this to happen. They got in there and they saved him, kept him from dying. Then they, they realized they better back off. I mean, he got the Medal yeah. of Honor. He completely deserved it. Oh, I tell you. Oh, my Lord. And it's just, uh, and you know, the hunger pains, you know, going through. I've been in, you know, I've been in places where, you know, you can't eat or whatever. And, you know, you get hungry. And let me tell you, I can only imagine what that. And I know what it's like. I wasn't you know, the worst of it. Going to bed they were isolated from their fellow prisoners. They wouldn't let yeah. them talk to each other. They had to come up with a tap code. I'm talking about in the year before, like, maybe 1967, 68. They kept them physically isolated in cells, and they had to tap. They kept, they developed this yeah. tap code so they could communicate and keep in touch. Yeah. People I mean, don't it's an amazing story. story. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. story. People don't understand isolation and what that's like, you know, being isolated like that in, in a box all yeah, from day, human all night. With your fellows, you know? man. It's, it's really that's, yeah. that's the worst. That's worse maybe in, in the long run than even hunger pains. Yeah, yeah, because you're isolated, and really your thoughts – take over your mind you think about things that you'd never thought you would think about I've, I've been in isolation and let me tell you it's it's no fun and uh, uh it's rough man. it's rough it's rough you know i spent 18 I got, months I got, in, uh, <laughs> I got waterboarded doing survival evasion resistance and escape training and believe me it ain't no picnic yeah, i don't ever so, goes in like that again that was just a brief taste of it i mean and the thing is it scars you internally too you know, I mean, it's stuff that people don't really like talking about. You don't want, you know, but that, you know, it comes out every now and then, like now. But, but you don't want to talk about it, you know. And and people, you know, it just, it's just, those are human scars. That's the human pre- perseverance that we have, and all of us that we are able to overcome and move on in life, and then do other things. But it's a shame that the human race has to treat people like that, and 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 do these things to people to to achieve their power and control. Over, 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 and that's what it's all about, right? Power and control, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. <laughs> when you really think about it, it's crazy. It's insane. What's this guy saying in the chat room? So did, um, what's this, did Bo Bergdahl, Bergdahl, oh, oh, get for Medal of Honor? Oh, Berg, Berg, Bergdahl. <laughs> Is that what? I think <laughs> Bo Bergdahl would have been put up for the Medal Bo Bergdahl was Obama's kind of soldier. If Obama had his way, he would have put him in for the Medal of Honor. <laughs> He's a traitor. I don't have any thought about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you make the show there, Brian. He's a Democrat kind of soldier, one who deserts yeah. his comrades and gets them killed looking for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were talking about Chris Kyle. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Ventura was talking about Chris Kyle, the Navy SEAL there that was uh, – that uh, he, they said he was an habitual liar, Chris Kyle, and – and that, but you know the guy's dead. You can't defend himself now. But uh, this guy Jesse Ventura, I guess he's been ostracized by the SEAL community because he sued Taya, which I, I've spoken to Taya, Taya quite a few times actually, in uh, uh, three emails and whatnot. Um, I was she uh, had built a foundation for frogmen. And I was going to have her on the show years ago, uh, about eight nine years ago, but uh, never materialized. But uh, she, you know, and he sued Taya, and they they ostracized him, but. Because over that punching, the fight, barroom fight, that never happened. Right. Yeah, he says it right. never happened, you know? Well, I tell you, Joe, there are a lot of people, a lot of servicemen living today who will attest to Chris Kyle's actions in the war that saved their lives. And uh, yeah. as far as they're yeah. concerned, he was the real deal. I mean, a lot yeah. of guys yeah, I know. I know. know what yeah. he did yeah. over there. 
160 confirmed kills. You know, 160. And saving a lot of guys doing it from Overwatch while they were conducting operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, no, I got nothing against them. Yeah. I got nothing against Chris Guy. He tried to help veterans. He died trying to help a PTSD afflicted veteran. Exactly, that's exactly. So that's the proof right there. You know, they got to think about it. Well, so. a man, he, he, he's the real deal. All right? No matter yeah. what flaws, and we all got him, he may have had him too, but I don't care. The man was a hero, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And Jesse Ventura, he's a showman. You know, he's he's an actor. I mean, he comes from your generation, now, Vietnam vet. He was a, he was a SEAL. You know, but 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 you know he he's a showman. You know he's you know wrestling and governor and but he's a, yeah. you know I'm, you know you can't blame the guy. You know he's a, I don't know I don't know. I say put him in a room and fight. That's what they should have did. You know and then now let's settle it. Have at it. All right, sorry. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up. It was good talking to you tonight. Uh, next podcast, guys, tune in next week and uh, God bless our republic and. Uh, uh, we heard the the freak from the le- freak off the leash there, Joe Biden last night. So needs uh, <laughs> to be locked up, that's for sure. In the in the mental ward, you know, Joe Biden. I just don't understand how anyone can support him openly or uh, even well, understand. I understand that. it was at least almost twenty lies, outright lies he told in that State of the Union address. Twenty. Yeah, yeah. And they were booing their uh, that uh, congresswoman there, Green there, that blonde girl. Oh, she I was love, yelling I love at. That, I love that woman. <laughs> I love that woman. I don't care what they say about her. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's down yeah, for the fight. Let me brutal, tell you. But so what? This guy's wrecking the country. That's, That's worse. Yeah, yeah, and now uh, so true. I mean, he, he, if, you can't deny it. The prices out there are killing us with inflation. The prices are just insane. They're insane. Okay. You know, you get a two percent pay raise, a three percent pay raise, and it's wiped out by almost ten percent inflation. It's a big yeah. tax, there yeah. is. Yeah, you're right. Well, we'll go back to Ronald Reagan right now. We'll play a little Ronald Reagan. I know you like him, so we'll play him here. Ronald Reagan. I can't. Let me hear the It's always good to hear. All Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary, because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rev than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? 
Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material competitions. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen. And won their freedom. <laughs>